Our scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for this holy day. All Saints Sunday, when we join together to remember those who have gone before us, when we join together to celebrate our faith, to celebrate who you are as our God. And God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit as we turn now to your Holy Word. We pray, dear God, that we would hear a fresh word from you today. And God, as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love All Saints Sunday. One of the reasons is it causes us to pause just for a little while to remember those who've gone before us. 27 candles burning today. To remember the lives of those who have helped to shape us, to mold us, the, the people that have handed us the faith, that passed the baton of faith to us. Last night, Nancy and I had the privilege of taking a drive up to my home church, small little country church about 15 miles or so north of Statesville, and uh, we figured since we were going to get an extra hour yesterday, we'd burn it going up and down the road. And so we, we decided we would go up. They were having uh, their annual bazaar, and, and, and just to be able to go there and, and sit around the tables and to laugh and talk about, you know, some of the memories and some of the stories and and it was amazing to see they, they have the dinner together, but then there's this auction that follows. And, you know, we, we just couldn't compete. Because they, they would pull out a quilt, you know, and then when you find out who made the quilt, all of a sudden, you know, that quilt, $1,600 or so. Then, then you find out, you know, here's some jelly. But people would find out who made the jelly. And when they would hear, I mean, it was just one jar of jelly. And, and, you know, like, do I get 30? Do I get 35? Do I get 40? Do I get 40? 50 some dollars for a jar of jelly. I mean, I love these people, but I like smuckers too. <laughs> it was amazing, you know, but what it was is it was celebrating lives and celebrating memories celebrating stories of people who have helped to shape us and, and mold and make us. And today we, we join together to, to celebrate the names of so many, but we join together to, to celebrate their lives. And we join together to celebrate their faith. And you may ask, how is it that we have, you know, the musicians and the choir and the, the celebration and the clapping on a day that, that we join together to, to remember? Well, it's because we join together to remember. We join together to remember not only those who have gone before us, but we celebrate their faith and our faith in a, in a resurrected Christ who offers everlasting life to all who believe. Our funerals around here are a little bit different. We're Easter people. We celebrate everlasting life. And today we celebrate the God who gives us everlasting life. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was so passionate about understanding the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the impact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ had in our lives that, that when he wrote the letter to the church at Corinth, he didn't just mention a, a few words about the resurrection. He, he designated a whole section of his letter to go, do you understand the impact that the risen Christ makes? And then he says, can you imagine? Can you imagine 
what life would have been like. What would have happened if Christ had not been raised from the dead? 1 Corinthians 15, beginning of verse 1, Paul writes, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I hand it on to you as of first importance, what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that He appeared to Cephas, or Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me, whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim and so you have come to believe. Now, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain. And your faith has been in vain. We have even been found to be misrepresenting God because we testified that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we've hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. Skipping to verse 54. When this perishable body then puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast and movable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I mean, Paul just wants us to understand how can, how can some people today say that, that Christ has not been raised? How can some people today say that there is no such a thing as, as the resurrection of the dead? And Paul goes, if you pull that string, the whole faith will unravel. That this is, this is the essence of our faith, the hallmark of our faith. 
That the resurrection of Jesus Christ is, is what changes our world and changes our life. That, that God, yes, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, allowing him to die on a cross that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. But what makes that real is the fact that when Jesus died on the third day, he rose from the dead. We serve a risen Lord. Paul reminds us that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed our lives. And changes the world. Dr. N.T. Wright is actually Bishop Wright. Uh, he was an Anglican bishop of Durham in England. He, he served the Durham Cathedral, which is there at Durham University, where I had the chance of studying just a couple months ago. And he is an amazing New Testament scholar and is considered to be an authority on the Apostle Paul. He, he taught at St. Andrews University in Scotland. He's just returned to Oxford University where he studied for the ministry himself. And, and, and he writes in his book, Paul for Everyone, he said, Paul wants to be clear that the resurrection is rock-bottom reality for the Christian. I love that. The resurrection is rock-bottom reality for the Christian. Dr. Shirley Guthrie, who was my advisor in my doctoral work at Columbia Theological Seminary, said that, that so many times we as Christians, we, we put the cross as the symbol of our faith. And, and we have the cross on the table, we wear the crosses around our neck, and, and the cross is a reminder of what God has done for us. And he said, but, but the challenge is this, the cross is the appropriate symbol for our faith as long as the cross is empty. Because yes... Jesus died on the cross for us that we would be forgiven for our sins, but that was not the end of the story. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead offering to us everlasting life. The court of Jesus' time, the, the world court of Jesus' day, they, they arrested Jesus and claimed that he was a false messiah, that he was a pretend messiah, that, that he was one claiming to be the son of God. And they accused him of blasphemy and everything else that they could accuse him of. And, and then not only did they arrest him, they convicted him, sentenced him to die. They beat him unmercifully and then placed him on a cross to die. And then they said, it is done. Verdict is given. But three days later, God overturned it. Three days later, God overturned the verdict. At the baptism of Jesus, God said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. When Jesus went up onto the mountain of transfiguration, and there he met with Peter and James and John and Moses and Elijah, God says, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. And when Jesus brought him out of the grave on the third day, he said, I told you, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Dr. Wright goes on to say, those who deny the resurrection then are not simply tinkering with one negotiable element of the Christian faith. They are cutting off the very branch on which the gospel and those who embrace it are sitting. They are cutting off the branch on which the gospel and those who are embracing it are sitting. They are even accusing the apostles of bearing false witness about God himself. But most importantly, they are declaring that no great event has yet happened through which the world has been changed. They are reducing Christianity 
to a form of spirituality. How much do we hear that in our world today? A new religion to take its place among the ancient marketplace of pluralism. And he said the danger is as present today as it was in the very first century. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Dr. Wright says, when people want to refer to Jesus simply as a teacher and as a leader, he goes, that's all very well if Christianity was simply a set of ethical commands or if Jesus was simply a guru among others teaching a way to God which one can follow or not as you choose. He said there are some today who want Christianity to be that kind of thing. It is, after all, much less demanding on several levels. Sometimes the desire that Christianity should be this sort of thing has even made a reason for denying that Jesus was raised from the dead. He said someone came to him and said, we can't say that the resurrection happened because that would make Christianity different from all other faiths. You know the reply? It is different. It is different. Because God did something unique in and through Jesus Christ when he allowed his only begotten son to die on a cross for our forgiveness and rise for everlasting life. God did something different to be victorious. Dr. Shirley Guthrie goes on in his book, Christian Doctrine, and says, without faith that Jesus rose from the dead, there would be no Christianity. It was not the ethical teachings of Jesus nor his noble death that gave birth to the Christian church and made it spread. It was the news of his resurrection. It makes all the difference in the world. Just recently, I had the opportunity of having one of those powerful pastoral conversations with someone in our congregation who was preparing to die. Death was a reality for them, They understood that death was a reality for them, and they embraced it. We were having this amazing conversation when this person looked at me and said, you know, God is is coming to take me, and and I want to go with him. I really want to go with him. And I said, "You, you seem to be at real peace with this. And the person responded, I I am at peace with this. And I thought that that was an amazing conversation because this is someone with whom I had had numerous conversations over the years when they had taken Bible studies and other things and, and come to the office and shared a cup of coffee and going, I'm just not sure I can buy all this yet. Now, this doesn't make sense. What about this? What about this? What about this? What about that? And we had had some amazing conversations, but now the faith had matured to an amazing level and the peace surpassed understanding. And the person looked at me and said, you know, God has been so close to me through all of this. And Jesus is coming to receive me. And I am ready to go with him. I want to go with him. And I looked at him and I said, and yea, 
Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are right here with me. And they responded, yes, right here with me. It's why Paul wrote in the letter to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4, verse 13, he said, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. But folks, we are a people of hope. We are a people of faith. We can do a little jazz when we remember a name because we celebrate a risen Savior that conquered sin and death. N.T. Wright wraps it up this way. He said, Christianity, you see, isn't a set of ideas. It isn't a path of spirituality. It isn't just a rule of life. It isn't a political agenda. He said it includes and indeed gives energy to all of those things, but at the heart it's something very different. It is good news about an event which happened in the world, an event because of which the world can never be the same again. And those who believe it and live by it will, thanks be to God, never be the same again either. He said that is what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about. I was watching as the people were coming in to the various services we've had on this campus today. And I was wondering, why do we come here? Why do we join together? Why do we come to church? And I'll tell you why we don't. It's not that we come here, we do not come here for some memorial service to think about some great teacher and some great man, man who used to live. We join together to celebrate a God who took on flesh and lived among us to teach us how much he loved us. We join together to celebrate a God who so loved us he was willing to take on a cross to die for our sins so that I could be forgiven, so that you could be forgiven. And then a God who was so amazing that he conquered the grave on the third day and rose from the dead. And not only does he live again, but he offers us everlasting life if we will believe in him as Savior and Lord. We come to this table and we come to this worship not for a memorial service, but for a worship service.